Hello, and welcome to Don't Get Your Hopes Up, a podcast where two friends answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you the news from both Animal Crossing and Leo. Hi, Lydia. How are you doing today? I'm okay. I'm kind of angry, but just in a slow way that doesn't really have a direction, um, and I don't think it's going to go away. So that's okay. I'm doing well, relatively. Are, are there you? are there causes to your anger outside of quarantine? <laughs> no, okay. it's just quarantine. Today, but besides that, pretty good. I think I sent you the like tweet or something where it was like, your current emotion and the last thing you ate is your new name. <laughs> yeah. I think mine was anxious bagel. <laughs> mine was hangry bread, so. Yeah, we eat a lot of carbs in this good. house. Um, so I have a fun fact for us today. Yeah, please is it please make it extra fun. Okay, well that's a lot of pressure. We're going I, on like week three. I already had it ready, and I don't know <laughs> if it's extra fun, but I did search for it extensively. So my fun fact is that it has been said, which is a great starter for any fun <laughs> fact. Not sure the source here. It has been said that nearly three percent of the ice in the Antarctic glaciers is penguin urine. Oh wow. I know you don't have any details about this fact that might not be real, but I have, I have a question about that, which is like technically penguin urine where it was at one time penguin urine or actual like literal, a penguin peed and it froze and it's still chemically got urea in it. I think it is the second one. And I think have the climate scientists factored this in in terms of global warming, this could change everything for better or for worse. That's a lot of nitrogen going into the environment. Yeah. Hopefully someone will be dedicating their life's work to researching this and the potential it will have when the ice caps unfreeze. Also, I don't think of birds as peeing ever. Well, they do, I guess. And I guess. It, it happens a lot in <laughs> the Arctic. Okay. Do, do you have well, your fear of the day? I do. I have a really good fear. And this might not be a fear that other people have considered if they don't have chronic stomach problems, Mm -hmm. but as a person who throws up, not all the time, but like probably several times per year, Mm -hmm. I have a really big fear of being in a public place with no access to a trash can or a receptacle or a bathroom in which to throw up and then suddenly being struck with the urge to throw up. Well, as someone who has intense motion sickness and did not plan well as a young child, I can say that I have lived your personal fear. Yeah. It does suck. It probably sucked more for my mom, who was the receptacle. (laughs) Um, We'd be on an airplane landing, and she would then be stuck with my vomit on her for, like, 20 minutes. Oh, my God. Don't they have little bags? You just wouldn't give a warning. They don't always have bags, and I definitely did not give warning. Wow. Well, yeah, I think about it in the car. I usually have a bag in the car. But I can't tell you the number of times I've been in Sadler, the dining hall, and noted the location of the nearest trash can. Because if you're in Sadler, it's so far to a bathroom, you might not make it. I'm like, how far am I from the closest exit versus the closest, like, you know, they have the little trash cans near the coffee. Yeah. Um, Maybe you should always get a cup for water and only (laughs) fill it up a third of the way so there's room. And sometimes you're just not in a place, like you're on a bus. And you forgot that sometimes you get car sick or or anxious or something. I try to keep a plastic bag, like, in all of my purses and backpacks for that purpose. Just always scout it out, because you never want to be in a situation where you have to throw up indoors and there's nowhere to throw up. We have a couple friends who've thrown up into cups. Gross. Like, from (laughs) 
too much alcohol. That's so gross. So we have, we have a lot of experience with that in our friend group. All right. Well, since we have a lot of experience with a lot of things, which is why we're here to answer your questions. And we got a lot of questions from listeners this week. Thank you guys for participating. We know a lot of you are listening. Keep on sending in those questions because we need them to survive. What question do you think we should answer first today? I think this one is really pressing. Like, I got worried when I saw this question. I think we need to answer this right away. Anonymous asks, I'm living in the same house as one acquaintance. I haven't seen anyone else for days, and I'm bored. Should I ask them if they want to hook up? I mean, I think when people are bored, they have a couple different modes they go into. Uh Uh-huh. And, like... I feel like a different person could think, like, should I eat my housemate? You know, like, I don't know. The grocery stores are pretty empty. So I think, like, in terms of how, you know, what you should do when you're bored, this is not the worst thing. I would say it really depends on how long you're going to be living with them. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. But my first reaction to this was no. Sounds like a very closed-minded perspective. (laughs) I said no. You should not. If this person had any other option to see other people or to be somewhere else, it sounds like they might do that, right? And they clearly don't. So you don't want to open up this can of worms. Imagine not you're not just bored, you're suffering. And you're suffering because you hooked up with the person you're living with and now you're in conflict and it's unbearable to live with them. That's horrible. I have some more thoughts. Let's just take a quick break and remove my son from the room. He's making a lot of noise. We'll be right back. All right, we are back and we are talking about hooking up with your housemate while you're bored during quarantine. And some thoughts I have about hooking up in general during this time is that doctors are pretty busy, okay? So they may not have time to treat your STDs or deal with your pregnancy. (laughs) So I would say that's one factor you want to consider. You want to be very safe. You do want to be safe. I have heard that the main condom manufacturer has shut down. What? So we, Who is that? Does it it was work somewhere, for all the brands? It works for all the brands. I read this on Daily Mail, to be completely okay. honest. And <laughs> Only the top quality sources yeah. on don't get your hopes up. So just keep these factors in mind. But besides that, I would say I think this could be a good option for you. If, you, if it's what you really want and you've really thought through everything... Here's my question for you, Lydia. Yeah. If you decide you do want to do this, how do you go about gauging the interest of your housemate without making it awkward if they're not into it? Uh, that's so dependent. Like, are you, are you like, oh, we used to have five roommates and now it's just me and you and we kind of know each other, but there's like this weird tension. I think. In that case, you sort of should, you do then? You, you should do like the way you normally would. Like maybe you have to flirt a little bit. You have to like get sense signals. I don't know if you can just, like, dive straight into it. But if you're, like, bros, and you've been bros for a really long time, then you just need to say, hey, have you ever wanted to hook up? Maybe we should do that now. But have I don't know. Have you ever been interested in a bro job? <laughs> Maybe you can just do that either in either case. That's just how I would probably approach it. I feel like freshman year, I heard about a bunch of cases of this where I know two people who I knew who were roommates hooked up and I didn't know them very well to know how that went, but I guess it went fine. And then I heard about these two other guys who I didn't know who were roommates who engaged in bro jobs. So. I don't know what your relationship is, but you should make sure they don't feel... You just don't want it to be weird if they don't want to. Yeah, you got to so be really cool. I think you give like a lot of signals and hints, and then they're like, 
once they're like wait like are, are you hitting on me and you can tell they're not interested and you're like what no what no <laughs> just not. gaslight them i'm not just gaslight yeah. <laughs> that's the advice never let them know All be right. careful anonymous hopefully that's helpful <laughs> lydia we have another question um this one comes from anonymous as well and they ask how do you know when the person you're with is the one for the rest of your life if you have conflicting feelings of love and at the same time cannot communicate healthily without seriously fighting is this conflicting feelings like about love as a concept or the feeling of love is conflicting with the lack of healthy communication i think it's the second one jeez um how do you know? Well, you, I believe, I think the communicate healthily part can be true regardless of the person you're with. Like maybe there's this ideal magical person who will pull all the communication weight and teach you how to communicate and everything will be fine. But I feel like you could be with somebody very ideal for you and still have bad communication and that still sucks but it's kind of independent of the person. Okay, so it's not that it's the wrong person, it's that you have to work to communicate better? It might be the wrong person. But it's independent of the communication? It can be. Okay. I mean, I feel like there are also bad people. They're not bad people. They're bad people for you who you just have a harder time communicating. I think you need to say, look, my love, (laughs) I love you. And I want to be with you, and I think we could be together forever or for a very long time. But if that's going to work for us, and if we're going to consider that, we need to work on our communication style. And we need to make it more effective than it is currently. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm getting at also. Like, you, in order to know the answer to this question, you just have to try and be a better communicator. And maybe it will fix it, and then, or like get better, and then maybe you'll be like, oh, hell yeah. And be really excited. I think you have to be open to the idea of walking away. I think that you should try to fix it, but if the other person isn't receptive to those changes, or if you can't work through it, I think that you shouldn't spend your whole life with someone who you can't communicate healthily with, but the fact that you're having that problem doesn't mean that you have to keep having that problem. Yeah. I'm sorry, Anonymous. This is really hard to answer definitively without like more details I know one of my friends is in a very serious relationship and is considering marriage and she said that she and her boyfriend are gonna go to like marriage counseling or like couples counseling to work towards marriage Um, and I think it's maybe a component like of her faith but they were gonna do that for like six months before they get married and that's I mean probably at some point in your marriage you'll have problems where you need that So why don't you just preempt it and make sure you want to spend all that money and all that time and just work through those things and work on your communication before you, you know, make this big decision. Yeah. I also like the idea of, like, premarital counseling. I don't know if it's always like that, but it can also be shorter. But that really helps. But in order to get there, you have to – in order to go to premarital counseling, that's sort of – you both have to have decided, oh, maybe we'll get married. So this is kind of – skipping your question well you, I think you could still you could still you know talk about I don't know how how open you are with your partner <laughs> if you guys are on that page but I think also for people who don't have a lot of money to go to therapy or counseling 
You maybe can get it free through religious services, and also you can find online some questionnaires, which me and Lydia have done together to make sure our relationship is good. And you can go through these questions, and it's questions of, like, how well do you guys know each other? What are your communication styles? And that's at least a step in the right direction to see if things are working for you, too. I highly recommend online questionnaires. Those are so fun. I was trying to find the one I have saved on my computer right now. (laughs) All right, we may come back to that. We think this is a very important topic. But another important and pressing topic as we get closer and closer to taxes is what are the odds as a college student without a real income that the IRS could actually get me for not doing taxes? (laughs) Thank you, Joe, for submitting this question. And here we are, two tax experts to answer it for you. Exactly. Um, Tax experts in the sense that we are both college students who are probably also, in some small way, evading taxes at this very moment. I will say that I skipped the personal finance unit in my (laughs) high school because my teacher had a sick kid. And then also, I've never taken an econ class or filed my own taxes. Yeah. But that's not going to stop me from answering this. Dude, here's, here's my stance. If the government makes it so hard to answer your tax questions by Googling, if you genuinely can't figure out how to file your taxes, then you don't have to pay taxes. If you can't figure it out, how are they going to figure out that you didn't do it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, it's, if, it, if you're like, oh, does my scholarship count as taxable income is my grant taxable income and you google these things and it's like maybe maybe not can you go to jail for being an idiot no you can't go to jail for being Mm, an idiot that's what i can but doesn't seem like you should do it you can't you can't go to jail i don't think the irs is going to care about your small non-real income i think that you can be like poor and a tax idiot and that's okay but you can't be rich and a tax idiot because that's when the IRS gets you. And the other thing I would say is there's a decent chance your taxes have already been coming out of your wages and then you filing taxes would mean that you would get that money back because you're below whatever the cutoff is. And so I mean, is it going to hurt? It's going to hurt you. Yeah. The government is glad that you don't know how to do your taxes. They don't want you to know. That's why they make it so hard. That is why they make it so hard. You might try doing it just for practice. I feel like I should do my taxes just for practice, like, well, it doesn't matter now. So I can still be like, Mom, how do I do my taxes? And then I can figure it out, and then I'll know for when I do have a job, question mark. Joe, please write us back in a year or six months and let us know if you're in jail or not. So we we can give better advice to the next generation. Some data points. Thank you very much. All right, well, I have a question, and... This is kind of a hot topic right now. You all may have heard earlier we had an intermission because a dog in the room decided to make a lot of noise. Jenna wants to know, what is the best way to convince your parents to foster or adopt a dog during quarantine? Man, there are a lot of questions that I'm not qualified to answer that I answer anyways. (laughs) But this is my area of niche expertise. When I was four years old, I wanted a dog so bad. Dog was my first word. I needed a dog. And so I wrote a sign, and the sign said, my name said Bailey, and then it said, I want dog. I don't think I had great grammar, (laughs) but I posted this sign in our living room, and within a few months, I had a dog. I don't know if that'll work as well for you if you're over the age of four, 
but I would say persistence and persuasion. I have also used a PowerPoint to convince people to let me get a dog, um, and I have used constant pressure. So I think it depends how weak your parents are. Some parents are just like pushovers or they love animals and some don't and that'll make it harder. But I think it so depends on the strategy. One strategy I would say is to scare them into it. So you can tell them that in Spain, you're not allowed to leave your house unless you have a dog, which you need to walk. So they should get a dog before that happens here. Jenna, I think you have hit on a very good strategy here, which is that now is the ideal time. Now is the greatest pressure point to get a dog. And it sounds like, honestly, if your parents do not at all want a dog at this point in time, you're not gonna have a lot of luck. But I'm assuming if you're on this adventure, it seems like a possibility, which means you have one very important ingredient, which is that your parents already want a dog. They just need to be convinced to actually get the dog. And there are a lot of facts in your favor. There's no better time to socialize an animal than if you're literally stuck at home with it all the time. You can't travel anyways, so you might as well have a dog. There's just not going to be a better time to do this. You have nothing else to spend your money on. The only essential businesses that are open these days are pet stores. Just start sending your mom links to Pet Finder and she will crack eventually. She won't be able to take it. And as we all know, fostering is just the first step to adopting. You just foster it and then they're hooked, and they will never give it back unless they're my parents who didn't even cry when we dropped off our four six-month-old puppies at the shelter to be done with who knows what with. So, anyways. They definitely were adopted. They had no hearts. (laughs) Well, one of them was returned, but then she was adopted again, so it worked out. All right, I wanted to answer this question, which is also pretty pressing right now. Anonymous wants to know, how do you get through quarantine with an aggressive roommate? With an aggressive roommate? (laughs) I am imagining two types of aggression. One type is this roommate, like, drinks the last of the milk carton and Mm -hmm. doesn't buy more and doesn't ask you if you wanted any. Yeah, if you wanted any on, like, your cereal or they, like, leave dishes in the sink and... But that's not even passive aggression. I don't know. I'm not very good at <laughs> at isolating instances of passive aggression. But the other option is that your roommate is, like, standing on the opposite side of your room holding a baseball bat or, like, chains mm-hmm. or, like, a knife. And you feel, like, physically, aggressively threatened. In which case, you should probably find another place to be. But... Your question indicates that that's not what you're interested in. You say, how do you get through the quarantine with an aggressive roommate? So maybe the truth is somewhere in between those two. You can always go to the I feel statements that you learn in therapy. (laughs) Lydia, I feel threatened when you hold that baseball bat over me while I sleep. And I feel unsafe. And I wish that you would find another outlet for your anger during this time. For your aggression. I mean, as I said at the beginning, we're all angry. Like, I'm pretty mad. You could order them a punching bag. Now could be a really good time to get into boxing, I think. Yeah, take up a hobby. You could convince them to foster a pet, and then maybe they would be too tired to be aggressive. (laughs) An aggressive roommate. 
Yeah, okay, here's what I'll say, guys. Thank you so much for submitting questions, but just make them longer. Like, give us more details. I have no idea what we to do with this context. question. We want some context. What is an aggressor? Is it a dog? Is the aggressor a dog? How? There's well, so many ways to be aggressive. if that is the case, I don't know how. I, <laughs> that's my question to the podcast as well. What does aggressive mean? Take them for lots of Are walks. you okay? Do you need a place to stay? I'm worried. I mean... In all seriousness, all the domestic violence lines are still open, and I know that is something that's really bad right now. So yeah, I mean, this is like a real thing. This is more of a for a lot of people podcast, but definitely look into those resources. If it you is need to. it is really hard to be stuck in the home when the home is not a great place for a lot of people. Um, I I am assuming since this question was sent to either me or you that we would actually know if there is an actual, like, situation going on, Mm -hmm. um, so that this question is kind of more silly or, like, mild than that, but in all seriousness, it is a real problem. And if it is a more silly and mild one, I would say this could either go really well or really poorly, (laughs) but you could try tickling them. I feel like that lightens the mood. (laughs) Fluffy fingers, as some call it. You could be aggressive back. Two different strategies Just be aggressive first. They get out of bed in the morning, and you're like, I, I don't know how to be aggressive. I was like, hey, good morning. <laughs> Aggressively say happy things then. When I am babysitting and the kid cries over something dumb, then I will start to cry too, like pretend cry, and then they'll be so confused and concerned oh. that they will stop crying. Mm-hmm. So maybe that could work in terms of the aggression. They'll yeah. be like, ooh, I don't like how that feels. I won't do that anymore. Whenever your roommate gets angry, just like mirror their emotions. You guys could wrestle. Ah. Then maybe you'll have so much sexual tension it'll turn into the hookup question. Yeah, you'll get to hook up. That could relieve some aggression. That's a really good question. I actually like that. That really made me think. Okay, this is another thinking question. This question comes from friend and listener Jack Morris, and I think it's especially topical at this moment in history and time. Jack Morris wants to know, what's up with this God guy? Man, what is up with this God guy? <laughs> I don't have a good answer to this one. I think the God guy is saying, what's up with you guys? This is, this is definitely our fault somehow. This is some, he's definitely not We've happy. Sinned. We've he's sinned. definitely not happy at the moment. Like, I, have you seen that post that's going around that's, like, an excerpt from the Bible, and it's The locusts. Saying, I saw a mosquito yesterday. Oh, oh, wildfires or something? Oh, fires. Yeah. The fires in Australia, and then they're like, there's a plague, which is obviously now the plague, and then maybe, maybe it's locusts. I can't remember the exact things. But in an event of such biblical proportions, you can't help but think, like, should I have been a Christian by now or some other religion? Like, should I yeah. just... Pascal's wager, should I, like, repent and join just in case? Have there been any studies to see if one religious denomination is doing better during this time than the rest of us? And maybe we can all convert over and see if it ends. I bet religion does do better in general. Well, I think they're struggling because they can't go to church. Right, right. Oh, that's true. I personally lost my job at the church recently. This is very unique. Yeah, once again, in terms of what we're qualified to answer or not, I don't know about this one. As someone who's not very religious, this is the one thing that I've heard that I like, mm-hmm. which I've said to you very recently, and I'll say it again. Okay. So this is, like, the idea that, like, if you look at a beautiful tapestry and you turn it over, you see that the other side is all messy and knotted and confusing and you can't see a pattern. 
and that's the side we're seeing. So this is all part of God's plan. But that doesn't feel great when you can't breathe from coronavirus or get in a car crash or lose yeah. your job. So I think like in in our more secular world, like there are some people who are really comforted by that and there are some people who are really like, Man, that that doesn't help me at all. Like that's BS and some people don't really like the idea of a higher plan being used to justify suffering. Yeah. I don't really like that, but to each their own. I like to think of the God guy as... Or gal. Or gal. Yeah, the God thing or... Entity. Entity. As, like, the idea that humans are created in God's image, it's like it represents an ideal that we can all have for goodness Mm -hmm. towards each other, Um, and it's something to strive for, and it's something to look to. And what that something is, I don't know. It's a lot. It's probably a lot of things. It's like all the virtues. It's like love and patience and and kindness and like respect and all that stuff. But it, I feel like a lot of the stuff falls apart when you start thinking about it as as like a point system or like a an executive branch or like a fate determiner. I think yeah. the most successful modern Christians, and I don't know anything about a god other than the Christian God kind of take that stance that just takes me back to our philosophy class where we both got really entrenched in determinism (laughs) so i can't talk about that right now because then i'll feel yeah weird it's good to to feel like you have power let's bring that up some other time when i have a more emotional energy um and for now let's move on to a lighter question nick asks what's one thing william and mary students should do who are still in williamsburg before they leave dude i know what's on my bucket list Ooh, do you want to know it? yes the most important thing to me i have to go feel the griffin's balls Ooh, that i is still important. haven't done that and i want to so bad maybe if i you. have an exam or something i don't really think i have finals at this point but mm-hmm. maybe the night before i have an exam i would say while there's many things that are a lot harder to do now that we are social distancing like have friends there are some things you still can do, and there's if you're still on campus, for now, you can still be walking on campus because we're allowed to be outdoors and everything. So I think that considering that you can go to places on campus that you maybe haven't been, you can go to the Bada Dock, you can go to oh, the, Lake Matoka. The woods trails, I yeah. bet, are beautiful right now. And it's before the bugs have come out in full force. And I just didn't even know, like, so many trails existed back there until this past summer. Yeah, I think that it's it's a really pretty time on campus. Everything is super green and lush um, and full of pollen, if you're into that. <laughs> I'm into that. <laughs> so, it's, go on the Sunken Gardens. Go look at the stars. I've been trying, I've been, like, William & Mary is a truly, truly beautiful place mm-hmm. in the spring and summertime. And you never get to see it. Like, it is really good when people are here. But you never get to see it like this nobody's on campus it's so quiet the birds are everywhere the squirrels are out you probably see deer that's what I love about being at William & Mary in the summertime and you kind of get it right now with like a different time of year you could also do some of your bucket list items virtually so (laughs) say you want to do the triathlon but you feel weird doing it by yourself and none of your friends are here you could zoom with your friends and carry them along with you <laughs> as you do the triathlon. Get a GoPro. I don't know. Should they oh do gosh. the streaking? I don't know what they should be doing. You can this. do the triathlon six feet apart if you have yeah. friends here. 
that's you should probably be six feet apart doing that anyways so yeah 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 that's an ideal social distancing activity I want to do the triathlon again all right I want to share some news from the coronavirus good I was just about to ask you about that. yeah just an update um for those listening in the future in the past it's still coronavirus we're like week three of everything going down I don't know. Social distancing measures have been increased probably in a lot of states. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's just staying home, or they should be. Only essential employees are going to work. My mom's still going to work. She's a nurse. So healthcare workers and, like, grocery store people. And I, my news this week from the coronavirus is that you should not listen to anything I say about the coronavirus on this podcast. You know why? Why? Because I read an article, and then a week later, they're like, wait, 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 that was kind of right, but also kind of wrong, and here's the new information. And then, like, a week later, they're like, whoa, that's kind of right, but then that was kind of wrong. And we're we're all just, like, guessing about it, and the best thing you can do is, like, try to minimize your contact with people because we just, it's just so hard to devise, like, an actually smart strategy with your and, own brain. Wow, it doesn't help that we take so long to edit this and put it up, that by the time, <laughs> it's like, your news is completely irrelevant at that I know, point. if you listen to last week's podcast, the paper that I, like, was talking about, other things had been studied about it by then, and they were like, kind of, but also not really, like, the number's probably lower, or it's probably this, or it's probably that, and I just see so many contradictory things you should not rely on me as a source of information about the coronavirus is what i'm saying well you know who you should rely on who the most reliable source of information i know who which is the daily mail snapchat story, <laughs> the daily mail snapchat story which told me that the amount of the virus that you take into your body affects how sick you get which does kind of make sense so perhaps you get more sick if someone coughs in your face than if you are six feet apart from someone and somehow yeah. a little particle floats into your nose so just keep that in mind do your best with social distancing and like three feet is better than two feet and four feet is better than three feet and i recently heard in another podcast that we should be doing 12 feet 12 feet yeah jesus here's the other thing let's all remember that even though some things make sense sometimes science is counterintuitive and none of us including me only very few people actually know biology So, like, our interpretations of these things are never going to be as complete as the original interpretations, especially when they're going from science headline to news headline to maybe a secondary news headline to your brain where you mix it up with all your other information you come up with a conclusion. Not that you can't do those things and not that your own interpretation isn't valid, but also you should be aware that, like, we don't know anything about biology. Well, also, two things. One, the science isn't super long-standing it hasn't been replicated a bunch so it's not super great but also Lydia hopefully to make you feel better even the CDC is messing up like (laughs) now the CDC is like wait shoot maybe we should have told people to wear masks this whole time because it turns out that maybe they are sick and don't know it yet and are coughing so who knows not even the CDC yeah just do your best and be nice to other people Bailey do you have a message this week to the coronavirus my message is that I'm tired of talking about you and thinking about you <laughs> and talking to you. And I have something more important to talk about right now. Okay. Which is The Bachelor. Okay. Let me answer this question from Mary. What are your thoughts on both Peter Weber and Hannah Brown potentially rekindling relationships with people they kicked to the curb in the final season? Ooh. And can we start by filling in people who, for some reason unknown to me, do not watch The Bachelor 
and maybe they want to know that Peter was the most recent Bachelor, mm-hmm. Hannah was the most recent Bachelorette, they both have now restarted relationships with people who they sent home during the season. Because to me, Hannah messed up, right? She had two people in her final two, mm-hmm. and she picked one that turned out to be a guy who had lied and maybe wasn't as good for her. Which we all knew. Yeah. But she didn't know that. She didn't know that, and it came out afterward, and they broke up. And that was very unfortunate. But it was kind of like, he he did conceal a very big aspect of their relationship, which is yeah. that he had a girlfriend right before he came on the show. Whereas Peter, I just feel, I mean, they both made bad decisions, but I feel like you're actively encouraged to make bad decisions on The Bachelor. Yes. I can't even, can you explain to me how Peter's season ended? I honestly have blacked it out. What happened? Okay, so Peter, so he, so he thought that Maddie went home well, Maddie, so he thought that Maddie went home, and then she didn't, and she accepted his rose, so then it was Hannah, not Hannah, what's her name? Hannah yeah, Ann. Hannah Ann. Hannah Ann. Victoria and Maddie, and then he sent Victoria home, so then it was that Hannah That was the Ann. right decision. We all knew that was yeah. needed to happen. Oh, so wow, was, how did I forget this? Yeah. <laughs> so then it's Hannah Ann and Maddie, but then Maddie takes herself home, which was good, because she said, please don't have sex with anyone else, and then he was like, whoops, I did it, anyways. So she took herself home, and then Hannah Ann is the only one he had left, and he was like, oh, shoot, what do I do? Um, Hannah Ann, uh, let's get married. And then that wasn't a great relationship. Man, Hannah Ann was so eloquent when she was talking. And I know. Was, Peter's so much better than Hannah Ann. I mean, no. whoops, whoops, nope. wrong way. <laughs> strike it, strike it. Hannah Ann's so much better than Peter. There we go. Sorry. Sorry, so, Hannah Ann. anyways, she did great, but so they broke up, and then he was like, okay, let me get back with Maddie because she's the one I really want to be with, and she was open to that. But I'm pretty sure in between the end of filming, like, by the time they got back together and then when the final rose aired, they still acted like they were together, but clearly they had broken up secretly. And that's a lot of pressure on the relationship, and then there's the whole stuff with Peter's mom. Yeah. So I think that it's for the best that they broke up too, And now, you know, what do you do? You're like, well, guess what? There's 20 women who thought I was super hot and wanted to date me, and I sent them home, but now they're not looking so bad. So then you call up Kelly. So, I mean, Peter did have a lot of things, a lot of stuff thrown his way. Like, his mom probably shouldn't have been as mean as his mom was. Barb. Uh, But overall, I feel as though Peter has acted with less integrity than Hannah Brown. Agreed. Um, and Hannah Brown had, like, a longer period of doing her before kind of going back to a previous Bachelor contestant. Also, she, well, no, she got back with Tyler right away. She did, but, yeah, like, only but for, like, a day. He, like, they went on one date. He was kind of, like, in the midst of all the then he, all the Then options. he went with Gigi Hadid. Yeah. Yeah. And now they are quarantining together. Not as Gigi, most, Tyler, no, and, and Hannah. Hannah. As most celebrities are. I mean, I guess in both cases, I think Kelly was never going to get into a relationship on The Bachelor because she she's a lawyer. She's not going to put up with that BS. Yeah. Like, maybe her and Peter could be good. No, she is so much smarter and better than she him. She is smarter. I, I, I don't, don't know. Like but you have to date at some point after the show. I don't know if I like how quickly Peter has like jumped from person to person. If I were Kelly, I would not be crazy about that. I also feel like quarantine is maybe not... It's an exciting time to start a new relationship, 
but it's sort of a weird time to it's start a, a new relationship. If, if you were like, we started dating yesterday, let's be quarantined together. That's a... Yeah. But I do like the TikToks and, like, Instagram content Hannah Brown and Tyler and their whole crew have been creating. It's good for the content. It is exciting for us as viewers to engage with. I guess in the end, I don't, I don't really mind. Like, it's up to them. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of inevitable. What other questions do you want to cover today, Lydia? I want to answer Karen's question, which is, how can a parent with adult college-age children who are stuck at home right now be supporting and communicative without being overly involved in their business? They were being the children. This is a really nice question, Karen, also my mom. I really appreciate that you asked it. Um, and probably the fact that you asked it means you're already doing a pretty good job. Because I feel like some parents don't self-reflect this much. Oh my gosh, they definitely don't. <laughs> um, and I feel like, okay, this is my opinion. And I feel like it's a bit like teenage angst. Where it's like coming home. There's There's only so much you can do to avoid conflict. Like, you could be the perfect parent like perfect hands-off perfect amount of hands-on and the kid would still be like a little mad and a little frustrating because you revert back to your high school self when you go home and it's so hard because you're like I'm an adult and I'm used to like living on my own and like buying my groceries or whatever and then you come home and you're like mom what's for dinner but don't tell me what to do but can you make me dinner yeah it's just the environment like I think it's hard for both parties you just can't help but feel like your high school self, and that just doesn't really feel that good. And it really, I mean, some parents really uh, exacerbate this, I think, but even if you didn't, it would still be there, and it would still kind of suck. I'm going to say, like, I feel like the first summer I came home after college, I was really mean to my mom until I could leave for Williamsburg again, and it wasn't, like, maybe, maybe she went back to doing old mom things and I didn't like that but she was just being nice like my mom's not overbearing um and I was just I don't know I was just mean I think it's really hard to change your relationship from like a parent-child relationship to more like a peer relationship when you're back in the environment that you spent your whole childhood in but it's like if it's hard to go back like to the parent-child stuff too because I'm like I'm used to being able to control my own thermostat. Like, don't tell me what temperature I have to exist in. Yeah. I mean, and you're right. Like, sometimes then the expectation goes the other way where the parent is like, I'm not, you know, you want to be an adult, be an adult. I'm not going to make you dinner. And then you're like, but I wanted you to make me dinner. I want you to make me dinner, Can but you talk also me let in? me pick the thermostat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, like, really hard to reconcile those two worlds, I think. I would say the biggest thing is don't eavesdrop like we don't none none of us have enough personal space right now and like you know if your kid is like yelling about something like there's only so much you can do to not hear (laughs) but like do not stand outside their door and like think you're being quiet and try to like listen to see what they're saying as my dad does yeah um just let you know we all need more privacy than we have access to right now so I mean maybe it's more general advice like I think it's probably good to have try to establish more like roommate rules where it's like this is the shared space we got to come up with shared rules for this space but in your room like whatever I'm not gonna make you clean your room yeah until you leave maybe it's so lucky if you have your own room right now count your blessings I hope that was helpful hi mom thanks for listening thanks for the question 
Very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, you're doing it right if you care enough. Every kid wishes their parent would ask them that. All right, here's one question that I think we at least have to get to before we finish up. What should you do as a parent if a large amount of vodka in a bottle oh. in your house has disappeared mysteriously in the last three months? And this comes from the Weech household. Oh, no. And let's say, for context, that you have three 21-year-old triplets living in your house. You have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old as well. Has this ever happened in, in your my life? house? Yeah. We don't have alcohol in my house. We, My mom will have a bottle of wine at a time, maybe. Wow, a whole bottle. Yeah. Lit. I know, but, like, I, I was, like, the first time I went to a friend's house where there was, like, a liquor cabinet and copious amounts of just different types of liquor in there, I was like, what is this? It looks like a movie. Mm-hmm. i just never seen that before. I mean, obviously, it would be super weird if it was the 21-year-olds, right? I know Joe well, was asking us what to do, but I just want to solve this mystery for her. I mean, I think it could be. It's just like, you but know, we're But the 21-year-olds would fess up, like, or well, buy it themselves. It depends on the house environment. Maybe. Maybe. you just don't want to spend the money. One time in our house... My dad was, like, drinking some liquor when he had a cold. He thinks that bourbon cures colds. Maybe check it for the coronavirus. It may cure that as well. Um, But he, like, spit it out and was like, this is watered down. Who did this? And he was so mad at me and my brother, (laughs) even though he must have known that, of course, I was not drinking. Like, I was just not the type to drink in high school, especially when I was, like, 14. And then my brother is just a very blunt person. He was like, I would tell you. And he he said to my dad, he's like, I've taken your alcohol many times, but I don't bother to water it down. I just drink it, and you never notice anyways. <laughs> and so the mystery in my house remains. Maybe it was a babysitter or a dog walker, or maybe my dad just had a cold and didn't remember what liquor tasted like. Yeah. We'll never know. Well, I think that you guys need to set up a camera and face ooh. it towards the liquor cabinet and tempt them with some maybe the parent can mention, oh, we just bought a new handle <laughs> of this really great liquor. Um, and if you don't have access to a video camera, you could do, like, a trap. So you could fill the cap of the liquor. Oh, it's, like, glitter. With glitter. Ah. And then you'll find the suspect. That's so smart. Well, I feel like there are two explanations. Like, one, somebody has taken this amount of liquor and other people don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like they're pretty confident, but who notices? Maybe you just have one vodka bottle, but who notices that, like, it was this level and now it's this level? Like, maybe maybe it is something, like, maybe your dad did where he forgot what liquor tasted like. Like, maybe they just, somebody just forgot that, oh, we drank that last month at the party. Yeah. Draw a little line. No, that'll tip uh, them off. They won't do it anymore. Well, measure it with a ruler yeah. and then write down your measurement. Weigh, weigh it, weigh it. Yeah. <laughs> I, ugh, that's really hard. I mean, we're all bored right now. I think it would be kind of fun to set a trap. Yeah. I might just do that anyways. Yeah, definitely do that. Has Have they... Joe, I just want to know so many details. Like, have they confronted the family about it? So have people, like, had the opportunity to come forward and not, which means somebody's lying? Because that's juicier. Another, or is it just something, like, you're dealing with with the older kids? Another one of our friends told us a similar story in which they and their siblings were accused of stealing money um, from the parent, and it turned out to be a neighbor stealing the money. So I would just say advice for the parents is... 
don't be super mean to your kids because it is possible that either you forgot and none of them stole it or someone outside of the house took it or something. So yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to feel like there's no trust in your household, especially when you're all trapped together. Yeah. I feel like as a parent, maybe my priority would just to be like, Hey, I hope my kids are drinking safely. Like maybe talk to them about that and try to take steps to make sure, Hey guys, I know that this is happening. So don't do it again. I don't know. I mean, once if a high school kid is going to drink, it's going to be, like, hard to get them not to in a punishment way. Let's thank our sponsors really quick. Ah. I want to say that today's show was brought to you by the news from Daily Mail, which is always reliable and never mean or gossipy, and you should always read it on Snapchat, and then you'll, you don't need any other news sources. That's everything you need. This show was also brought to you by aggressively greeting your roommate in the morning good morning good morning (laughs) don't do that especially during quarantine this podcast was also brought to you by the irs and their message today is if you don't do your taxes we don't care that much unless you're rich and then we really care Mm -hmm. and this podcast was also brought to you by dog noises in the background we couldn't have done it without dog noises in the background. Thank you to Leo for your support. Does that bring us to the news from Animal Crossing? It does. Um, Animal Crossing news is really exciting this week. So the way they're doing this game is it's connected to the internet so they can release like additional content as time goes on. Mm-hmm. And today, April 1st was a big change because April 1st is kind of when it turns to spring and this big, giant, like, scary bunny visits your town and hides a bunch of eggs, and you have to find them over the next 12 days in order to win a prize from him. And also, a bunch of species appear in your town that were not there before, because it's spring now. So there's, like, new animals, and there's new fish, and there's all sorts of new things to do. So I played played really intensely this morning. Um, And that's just good news for the rest of April. It's going to be a fun month in Animal Crossing. My town's going well. It's swimming. I'm doing the daily stuff. No news is good news. It but is an island, news. so. It is an wondering. island. How's the news from Leo? The news from Leo, he's still alive. We've got to count our blessings with that. You may have heard him in the beginning of this podcast. Um, this morning, I was walking him, and I like to walk him through this field kind of near my house. Whenever I'm walking through that field, I do think, wow, this would be the perfect place for someone to murder me because it's very secluded. Um, and so as I was starting to enter the field... There was, like, a bunch of, like, workers right there, and I was like, wow, they could totally murder me right now. Like, should I still walk through this field? And I decided I should because I didn't want to walk an extra <laughs> six blocks to walk to a cross road. So then I was walking through the field, and then I did get attacked. What? But it was not by the workers. It was by Leo. Oh. And he <laughs> jumped up on me and started growling at me and biting me and scratching me. And he knocked my phone and headphones out of my hand onto the ground Ooh. and raced around biting his leash and me. So. That's so embarrassing to have that happen well, to you Well, at least it was a secluded field, so they didn't see, I okay. don't think. Yeah. But if he had murdered me, no one would probably know. <laughs> so. That was a good setup. And then I was attacked <laughs> by my aggressive roommate. And then another just fun fact, um, we continued our walk and thankfully he calmed down. And, I, you know, I'm already on high alert from being attacked once. And then this car slows down next to me and stops. And whenever that happens, I'm like, am I about to get abducted? So I look to see if it's a woman or man driving because that's how I decide. Mm-hmm. And it's a woman and she's wearing a red, like, bobble on her nose. And she said, <laughs> she literally stopped her car in the middle of the road next to me this and Leo. And said, happy April Fool's Day. 
don't do this. That's the only interaction I plan to have with April Fools today. So. Don't do that. Not not this year. This is not the year for that. It's like the opposite of a leap year where we just take out April first. Well, because it is a leap year, right? So yeah, we, so we can just take it out somewhere yeah. else, and it's April first, and it doesn't exist anymore. All right. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We'll see you at some indeterminate time in the future. Thanks for your questions. Goodbye. And good night.